Hi, my name is Susan. I've been arrested 32 times just for listening to people talk with each other. The problem was I used to hide in the bushes outside the windows of people's homes to enjoy listening to strangers talk to each other. It's just something I like to do. I get bored and lonely sometimes, you know. Hey, Susan, don't do all that. There's another way to enjoy random conversations? Now, thanks to the podcast show, I can enjoy listening to conversations with strangers and learn something new every week. No more listening outside the window just to enjoy a good conversation. Tune in weekly on Wednesdays and subscribe for updates on your favorite platform to the Toddcast show and help our podcast family continue to grow and share around the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Toddcast show. My name is Todd Mira, your host, and I'm so excited to be here with all of you. The Toddcast show is dedicated to exploring the human condition through conversation with strangers. We explore the positive, interesting, and oftentimes shocking side of human nature. In each episode of the Toddcast show, I talk with strangers in a down-to-earth, old-school, and heartfelt way about their life. Nothing is ever scripted, everything is spontaneous, positive, and we never discuss politics. You won't know what to expect next. Join in the conversation to laugh, love, learn, and grow with others around the planet. Who will I call next? Tune in to find out every Wednesday at midnight Pacific or for playback anytime on your favorite podcast listening platform. And stay connected with us at ToddCastShow.com. Hello, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Toddcast Show. Today, we're joined by Vinny. How's it going, Vinny? Hey, how are you doing? Good, man. Good to meet you. How's everything oh, going today? It's uh, better than yesterday and not as good as tomorrow's going to be. How about that? Right on. That's, a, that's a good answer, man. That's a good answer. And where are you calling from today? Brooklyn, uh, my hometown. Uh, born and raised here in New York. Uh, I stayed here in New York, and uh, I, I wear that Brooklyn. I, I wave my my Brooklyn flag, whatever whatever that happens to be. I feel like it's a pizza, <laughs> an insignia of a pizza on it, maybe. Uh, Gluten free pizza, by the way, the part of Brooklyn that I'm from uh, here. So, or <laughs> so, from an outsider's perspective, how's the gabagool? Yeah, the gabagool. How you doing? <laughs> yeah, Antonio's has got the best gabagool. I tell you, uh, that's hysterical. Yeah, yeah it's, the accent comes out when I'm hungry, when I'm upset, when I'm passionate. <laughs> you know, which is basically always. <laughs> right on, man. Right on. Were you born in in that area, or did you come from uh, that area? My dad, my dad was born in Brooklyn. I was born in Staten Island. My mom was born in Kansas. And my dad went to, uh, uh, what I think is now Kansas State, um, uh, college or Kansas State Teachers Emporia, Kansas State Teacher Emporia College. I don't know. Kansas State is the real one. Uh, they fell in love and then they moved back to New York and moved to Staten Island and then had me and my brothers and my sister and, uh, was just, you know, I, I thought I'd maybe would be a Broadway producer when I grew up. You know, I would take like the Staten Island ferry in and right. come in and see Cats and Miss Saigon and, and, and Phantom. I was obsessed with theater and 
I went to school on Wagner College at Wagner College, which is, which is on Staten Island. Um, and I have a business degree in theater management. Um, so like I kind of knew I wanted to be in the art and the business side of art. And uh, I don't know, man, it worked out. It's exactly what I ended up doing. And it's so weird because the, the career field that I fell into didn't even exist. As most TV career fields tend to happen, it didn't even exist. You know, you had to create it. Scripted, yeah, until until he got there. So, were your parents um, uh, together their whole lives? Uh, no, uh, my parents separated in in fifth grade, in my fifth grade. I see. Um, and uh, and it was a pretty uh, rough two years. There was drugs that were involved and. I spent a lot of time in Al-Anon, Al-Ateen, um, getting help, you were, you were professional using, help. You were using? I wasn't using. My parents were. I see. Um, so I was just, you know, I was just bearing the brunt, getting the results mm-hmm. of, of that. And um, and it was an interesting process. I learned I learned a lot, you know. Uh, yeah. I learned that, that, you know, my parents, they mean well, but they're capable of making mistakes. And also, sure. they don't know what they don't know. And at a... At, at a day and time where the internet didn't exist, you know, where we couldn't fact check everything. Right. Uh, that was a really, that was like a secret weapon to have in my back, you know. It was like a filter. I, I get bullied or teased or someone, some adult would say something, this trigger would go off in my head and I'd be like, huh, that's really what they think. That's interesting. I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to let them think that because yeah, I don't want. I don't want to get involved in their version of reality. Like I don't want to have to explain facts and and all this that they're capable of changing facts and they're capable right of you know. Like a weird, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're thing. absolutely right. You're exactly right. And people do have a funny way of sucking you into their realm of despair. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and then fast forward twenty years to the the housewives and the real the millionaire matchmaker <laughs> part of my journey where I found all those people who who loved who were real good at staying busy with drama and bringing chaos yeah. into their life instead of moving forward just just to move just yeah to let's, get to let's get to that let's get to that back up a little bit um so when you were young do you remember uh seeing yourself you said that you thought you'd uh end up in theater and all that but what was your earliest memory that you can think of of your future? Uh, what comes to mind uh, when you think about, like, man, that was the time when I was a young person and knew what I was going to do with my life? Um, I would say there were some hints my sophomore or junior year in high school. Howard Stern became a late-night talk show, like a late-night TV show. So it was, like, the first time we were seeing, like, a radio show on TV. Mm-hmm. and Yeah, that was and cool. I lo- like, I love WKRP. Totally, uh, dude, totally. You remember because, Dr. Demento? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. KMET, yeah. 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 Um, oh, my God, now I'm, like, now I'm, like, throwing So nostalgic. I loved, you know, I, I even, uh, what, what was... Uh, Jim J. Bullock. What was it? Uh, Too Close for Comfort, I think. He was in, the guy was an animator, right? Yeah. He was like a, an illustrator. He was a cartoon illustrator. Like, I love these shows that peek into the creative process. Um, on, the, on the Muppets, I love Scooter, the stage manager. Like, that was my, like, I was like, Scooter. Um, <laughs> on the Howard Stern show, of course, <laughs> I, the first time I saw myself on TV, ironically, was on the Howard Stern show. I said, I looked at that show and I said, there I am, Robin Quivers. 
Wow. <laughs> you are me, and I and I, I and I love that. I love Gelman on you know Regis and Kathy or Regis and Hoda, just like the guy off the camera. I, I was yep. always fascinated by that. Totally. Um, I loved America's Funniest Home Videos, which happened to be created by a man named Vin DeBona. So mm-hmm. I saw Vin in television, and I knew there was a possibility, but no one in my world, no one, you know, I, who even knew how to make that happen. We'll get to that later. But long, long Isn't that crazy? <laughs> like, it's so weird. Like, back in the day, we were, remember the show, That's Incredible? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Grand Every single episode, I watched that. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Those are the days, man. Like, honestly, I don't know what's happened, but, like, TV used to be so entertaining. I find myself really stuck, and if I'm going to watch TV, man, like, it's Bonanza, Gunsmoke. <laughs> like, I like to watch The Brady Bunch, you know, different strokes. Yeah. I mean, I'm all about the old school, bro. Like, I just can't relate to what's going on now. Makes me feel old. I think, you know, I think there's maybe a lot of similar values, but the, the, the wrapping, the layers, the, the way that those values are now articulated and presented make it feel very, very different um, from those, like, like what you, those, that list of, of, of TV that you just, you know, sort of mentioned here. And, and look at the society back then. Right. And what, what we wanted to be. And what we projected, you know, back then um, versus now, where it's kind of like, this is what we are. Just make sure everyone sees, like, yeah, this dude. is what this looks like, you know, it's funny? very reflective. I, it's <laughs> funny that I didn't mention the Twilight Zone, because that's where I feel oh, like we are God. now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I spent hours watching, yeah, again, talk about another another Vincent, by the way. Oh, my gosh, so. yeah. Dude, and then... Uh, War of the Worlds. Remember when the whole thing came out on the radio and people freaked out? Wasn't that something? That well, I mean that that sort of is like the you know the most infamous story yep. just in, in in media ever. Um, I can't I can't imagine what that was. <laughs> Dude, like, it'd be way. so weird to be that afraid of something that unreal. And it's really ironic because these days, um, I don't know if you believe in UFOs or do you believe in UFOs. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, yeah, I, I, I believe in unidentified things. Yeah. Sure, sure, me too. <laughs> That's what it is, you know. It's like, yeah. I don't know what that is, you know. Yeah, I don't um, know. I'm not saying it is what it is. I'm not saying it is what it isn't, though, either. So, right. But, but now we live, in a wor- we live in a world where we can look up in the sky and see them for ourselves, strange lights in the sky, and there's all sorts of videos that illustrate, you know, things like that, and yet we're somehow not afraid. We're intrigued. So to me, that yeah. really is a, a fascinating comparison to that time versus this time. And, you know, I just, I wonder, you know, you can't help but wonder, you know, is there really something more? Yeah. I, um, I have a weird, I don't know if I, I mean, I don't know if I really feel this way, but I, if, if this ends up being true, I'm going to be <laughs> the first <laughs> okay. person to say, I told you so. Perfect. Um, you know, the universe is round. The sun is round, our paths are round, the globe is round, we do things over and over again. Wouldn't it be funny if we were the aliens? Like, wouldn't it be funny if what we were most afraid of is ourselves? And for some, I mean, we weren't here when the dinosaurs were here, or somehow we got here before, you know, there's, there's a, there's a moment yeah. in our story that's missing. So wouldn't it be interesting if, if all is said and done, the reason why we're comfortable with asking and being open to our neighbors is by, and to be, and maybe this is where we could talk about this, it's because there's some ego or psyche part to us that says, you know what? It's us. 
What do we have to be afraid about? If it was them, we would be terrified. But if it's us, all right, we'll be curious. Let's let's send out a radio signal and see what they say. That's that's us seeing if maybe they're like us. If we truly thought it was a them, we (laughs) the last thing you're going to do is wave a flag or send out a beacon or right. You know, I'm going to hide in a cave, man. So I don't know. It's a weird thing to say, but I'm always like, I'm always like, it would be funny if uh, it's us. And uh, long story short, you know, long story short, but there's no way we're alone. There's no way it's just us. And 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 even then, if you're gonna if we're gonna expand this conversation to like a a galactic and a universal, there's there's some part of my life where I say, well, what can I have control in? What can I have impact in? For me, I already got to work in television at a point in time where hundreds of millions of people have gotten to see my work. I can, I, because of the way that television and the celebrity talent that I worked with in the past, whether it's punks or, you know, new Osborne, one, new TRL or some, some show that I worked on that has had you know, international appeal, um, as, as most Shows in the pop culture, American zeitgeist do have appeal broadly outside of America as well. And I feel so lucky to have had that reach. Um, and I think that that's why now I'm focusing a little bit deeper, more one-on-one with people outside of that celebrity scope who can create content, who can own their own content, whether it's a podcast or a digital series, something, something now based on podcasting and social, just based on the fact that we don't have to go through a TV network right. to get approval from an advertiser to be able to say, yes, this content not only is great, but we can advertise against it, which is truly why, why, why we think it's great. And this will be a hit because it's going to bring more audience to the network, which is important because more audience watches our commercials and will have more purchases. That's an totally. exhausting cycle. And it sure is. And like yeah, when you I, brought up War of the World, which mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I think that was like in the 30s that happened. I know in like in, in, in 77, there was a big resurgence of it too. But mm-hmm. this, this idea of us in re- that's the, that's, that's the one. It was a real time reaction to media. That's what's missing right now. You know, we don't have the TV guy channel where we can go and, and we all know exactly what we're all watching at the same time. We're not all watching Game of, it's not, Sopranos, 9 p.m. Sunday, you know, or Sex in the City, 8 a.m., 8, 8 p.m., Sopranos, 9 p.m., two hours, those were locked in on Sunday nights. And at 11 o'clock, we would start talking about it. Now, we start talking about it a week later, a, a day later, because of the, you know, I mean, it's not it's not as linear anymore. It's crazy, um, man. I miss the old days. I liked uh, delayed gratification, actually. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of value in it, man, and there's a certain thrill you get from having to wait for something, you know, and even though it might not seem like it, and then our uh, me first, gimme, gimme. Um, well, actually, that's another, it's a good band. If you haven't heard of a me first and the gimme, gimme, you ever heard of that? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Right yeah. on. Love that. Love that. Um, but in our society, you know, people want instant gratification, but, you know, we forget sometimes that there's value and the delayed response and, you know, working towards something and the sense of uh, growth you get from investing yourself in something. Um, 
tell us a little bit about how you've gone about doing that in your life, because you've obviously achieved a level of success that is quite admirable and impressive, and you mentioned a few names that uh, sounded pretty familiar to me, so uh, clearly you've got something going on that I don't, and uh, you know, I'd love to know more about that and what it was like for you to develop and to grow into that existence that you've created for yourself. Oh, it's powerful. It's it's terrifying. Um, So I had to surround myself with the most talented people. If I was going to try to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish, I knew that I needed to collaborate with with talents that were far savvier, far more empathetic, far more in touch, far further ahead of the message than I was, so that I could do really what I did. Um, it's so weird when I think of my 20, you know, I'm so, I don't know. I don't know if, if I was 20, if I was starting now doing what I did with the, with a- access to the internet, I, I think I might know a little too much. And, sure. and I wasn't, not to say I wasn't impressed with celebrity culture, but I'm from New York. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is so funny. I get like this. I'm from, here's my accent. I'm from New York. Like, Lay it on, was, like finance, Real estate, maybe a couple of fashion people. Like there's, there's not a booming television industry in New York. That this was theater. You know, television is not one of the the main things that people even even whispered about. To be really honest, in New York, you have to go to L.A. if you want to be in TV. You know, right. because everyone thinks of broadcast television. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to MTV at a powerful time. You know, and right after the after the mid '90s, after '95, when MTV was no longer identifying as a rock and roll network and they were taking the steps to be more inclusive. Your MTV Raps was more than just established. The, the faces of that network had changed. They started looking at expanding MTV into MTV2. Uh, I watched all that happen as a, as a TV spectator. Uh, as a 15-year-old, I watched in the 90s. I watched CNN get launched. I watched Fox News get launched. I watched channels get added to my rotary dial, my rotary dial TV. I'm like, there's only 20 channels. How, how many more channels can we have? You know, a little bit I know. Right. Um, and, and, and MTV stood out to me, um, to be really blunt, MTV stood out to me because of my brother and my sister. I have millennial brother and sister, uh, 84 uh, born, 84, 85. Uh, I gotta be honest, in the 90s, I, I knew, you know, the Janet, I knew the Janet Jackson videos and the Madonna videos. Because uh, I was interested in, in them as artists, and otherwise, <laughs> I'm jamming out to Andrew Lloyd Webber's greatest hits and <laughs> learning right cantatas, and I'm I'm in full musical theater, full vocal mode. And uh, while I'm aware of modern music, I didn't grow up in a house that played you know modern. They didn't play Elvis or top hits that my parents listened to. My, my grand, we kind of maybe because of of what happened as I said earlier. Uh, we grew up, I grew up with my grandma, so I listened to, like, Frank Sinatra, I love, I listened to a lot of 30s. You know, grandma, you know, a lot of Frank Sinatra, and, and that, yeah. and, and, you know, that, all those crooners, so, uh, which is why I love Candor and Ed musicals, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but Nikki and Sal, my brother and sister, were, the, you know, they were the ones who told me who was a celebrity, and I didn't really even know what the DJs were, a video jockey, a DJ, a, a host for MTV back then was. Um, I liked that show, Remote control, I thought that was like a fun game show. We used to watch that, but. Yeah. Um, for some reason, I don't know. For some reason, I just didn't, I didn't connect with, with music. Um, uh, it didn't, I didn't turn to music the same way I turned to television. 
I could watch the Game Show Network. I could watch Hollywood Squares. I could watch I could watch Pressure Luck. I could watch these these process driven game shows for hours and I could watch people make choices and decisions for hours. I don't know why. I could love I love the paths that people choose and, and, and then you start picking up on the options that producers give them and, and, and you realize that, you know, if you want to set someone up, if you want them to really have a great answer, you have to give them a great question. Mm-hmm. And, and I realize so many bad answers come from just, you know, poorly phrased questions, uh, unconscious bias questions that unfortunately, you know, uh, uh, changed the intent of what that's meant to be. I don't know. All of that to be said, I felt like, who, why not me? I don't know. It's going uh, no one's done that before. So mm-hmm. I don't know what the prerequisites are, but how about this? I got a foot in the building and they're asking me, MTV's asking me to interview to be the first talent development assistant um, in this two person department because I figured out how to meet people in a casting process and put them in a database. I had technical skills. Mm. I, I put people in a data, like I, I had strong programming skills where I could meet thousands of people and organize that information. So instantly I started doing wannabe a DJ for MTV while I was touring the country working on Hannity and Combs, um, picking people to ask questions to the host and, and managing the, managing the audience basically and, and casting the audiences. Um, and it was that, that mix of news and music and pop culture, that experience that ultimately I don't know. I think uh, I knew that I had a really cool opportunity, so I thought to myself, if I focus on the results, then everything ends when the project is over. If I make some friends along the way, then I can use more opportunities like this, maybe come back and maybe I won't have to make so many new strangers. Maybe I'll actually be able to come back to the same people who've been able to help me out once, and maybe I can give them unique access to MTV. So I would call them and say, we're looking for this type of show. We need this type of artist. Um, there's a female, there's a young female teen boom happening in music. I need to figure out a way to represent this in programming. That's why we did the Ashley Simpson show. Because too many artists up until that point waited until they were done at the label and, and, and the album was done to call me for the label to call me and say, hey, here's our priority. We're going to make them a star. And I said, but we missed the whole story. If you get me in on the beginning, I, I need to see the contract get signed, and that's the story that we can tell. And they said, well, if that's the case, we were already talking to, to, to Jessica Simpson. We already were in production with Newlyweds. And I remember having my boss, Rod, and I remember I, we were in MTV Spring Break. I remember this conversation with Ashley and Joe Simpson. And I remember literally them saying, well, we know that, that the label will do a deal if we greenlight the pilot. And we know we can greenlight the pilot if we find out the label will definitely commit to doing a deal. It was one of those perfect, per- perfect synergies, but that only comes from transparency. It only comes from networking. It only comes from building authentic relationships where I'm not focused on the outcome, but more so what we can do to be really honest, forever and ever and over and over again. But let's just get it right the first time so people know what we're talking about. Like, the, you know what I mean? The show, whatever that mm-hmm. creative project is. Mm-hmm. But that's really my goal. Um, 
and and I look back at the, the start. You alluded to some 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 names: uh, Beyonce, Mandy Moore, Ashton Kutcher, Sharon Osbourne. Uh, uh, I uh, I can go on and on and on and on and on and on about celebrities over a decade that were on that network, and I learned so much from them. They Did you get modern. to meet most of them? Oh, oh yeah, very, uh, yeah, very, very, yeah. I, I would say I worked closely, intimately, one on one with all of those people. Um, okay. On their power, on their series, and on their project. How are they uh, off camera? These people, um, like, are, they, are know, they really different, or like everyone? Uh, <laughs> different than what? Everyone's everyone's got their strengths. Um, I, uh, uh, man, you know, I, uh, Sharon Osbourne is exactly what you think she is. Firecracker in the room. Kelly and Jack are always exactly how you've seen them in media. Uh, okay. not afraid to speak their mind. Often right and sometimes, um, just poor timing. But doesn't make it not right. Uh, you think it's dysfunction because you don't understand the flow and then you understand where they come from and, and you understand the struggles that they have. Yeah. Uh, Mandy, Mandy Moore, always on time, first to be at the studio, would never say no, uh, always asking for help. So young. Always, yeah, she always seems really nice. Wasn't afraid, wasn't afraid to say, hey, so here we are. And like, what's, what's the cue and what's the mark and how do I hit it? And how, can you help me, you know, sort of do that? Ashton Kutcher, so cool and powerful in the room. That man, that man, you, you know, if we, if we sit in a room together, and I, I worked at Catalyst for a little bit after I left MTV, his production company. Um, he would sit in a room. He would, he would pitch a show. He would get feedback from an executive on that show, some type of jargon or language. And immediately put that into action in the next conversation, and we'll pitch, we'll sell the show, like literally in the meeting after. If, if that person wasn't able, he just soaked up energy and mm-hmm. he he spoke to people in their language. It's weird to say that, but like that's like it's a big skill set to speak to people in their language. Mm-hmm. And Ashton did that globally, which I was impressed with. Uh, Absolutely. Nick, Nick Cannon, we told Nick MTV told Nick Cannon no on while and out his his big comedy show on MTV. Nick was dating Christina Milian at the time, and then Christmas break happened, and they went and recorded a little sizzle, a little trailer so. They could show MTV what, what Nick was actually talking about with two teams of celebrities and comedians. And here's what it would look like. And I mean, I saw him invest in himself after he was told no, but he, he knew he had something. He just knew that we didn't see the vision that he saw. So I, I can't, I can't, you know, I got to work on Run's house with Reverend Run from Run. I remember that. You know? yeah. I, that man showed up with his family. I, I, I would go nowhere. In this industry, without my brother and my sister, they if they don't have access to the VMAs and TRL and and all the I can go on and on and on about the weird stories that that, that I, my siblings are layered into in pop culture. I did it because it was fun with them, you know. They, it was fun for them to watch. It was fun for me to make because they watched it and their friends cared about it. And mm. at that point, my value system was their friends. I didn't even I think know. about getting starstruck because I was like, oh my gosh, Mickey's. Nikki's ten best friends, her girlfriends are coming here, and if they don't have a good time at TRL, they're um, I might not be as cool as I think I am, and then am I going to want to be at MTV if I'm not cool? Because I'm just trying to find my way. Because <laughs> there's a weird thing to say, but like, in, well, yeah, there's just I, I uh, uh, yeah, go so, for it. <laughs> well, go for it. No, just in the '90s, I worked at a big company that mm-hmm. I didn't have. I, I didn't have certain protections that I have now based on my sexuality. So, 
there, there was a certain part in the 90s of me claiming my sexuality and owning who I want to be, where I also had to say, well, if I'm this, then I have to release the fact that I, I know I'll probably never have a family or I'll never get married. Those are just not right, you know, at that point in time in the 90s that I thought would ever come my way. Mm-hmm. Uh, all that, all that being said, when I got to MTV and, and that, and, and the tide shifted and, and we felt more empowered just overall as a community, that's where I felt, that's where reality TV kicked into play two years after I got to MTV. Two years after we put Beyonce in her first film and put Mandy Moore on TV for the first time, all those like celebrity first, then, then the real people. So first celebrity, then real people, right? Then our obsession with real people. Then, and then this weird obsession with storytellers, which I gotta be honest, is there's story, there's story making, there's a lot of story makers out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, storytellers, is an art. They, there are a lot of storytellers that think they're storytelling, even though I think they're story making. They're like, they're, 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 they're not quite telling the fully accurate version of, of what their experiences are. So they haven't yet figured out how to edit or curate that for mm-hmm. a larger art. I mean, what, what stories do you know in modern media that have, that have not been edited? I mean, I'm oh God, about, yeah. I'm thinking of the Bible right now. Talk, talk about like what's more powerful, a story or the editor? We know King James, by the way, as much as we know some religious figures and talk about a powerful editor, right? Yeah. The power in editing. So I, anyway, I just jumped, I just jumped thoughts there from like no, from where good. I am in real people world. You reminded me of. You reminded me of something really quick. Uh, Mr. Ballin on YouTube. You ever heard of him? No, I haven't. Mr. Ballin, B-A-L-L-E-N. You should check that out. He actually does a great job of storytelling. I don't like listening to stories very much, but the way he reads it, and he just reads different stories, but just the way he does it, you might appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. By the way, I I just looked on my phone real quick. Um, Yeah, you know, this this type of story that I'm seeing right now, Mr. Ballin, there's, there's a couple, let's talk about stories, right? Mm-hmm. No one, there's, there's stories that we repeat. Those stories are not the stories that we're telling. The stories we tend to repeat are fairy tales, <laughs> folklore, you know, they're mm-hmm. fantastical stories, you know, biblical stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the stories that transcend time more so than just our experiences. What I see in Mr. Bones is there's sort of a, uh, an, an approach to evoking an emotional response yes. to the story. That's, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I pick up he on He does that. a good job, man. He really yeah, does. Yeah. Like you, cool. might, you might like listening to that. Hey, um, so you mentioned sexuality. Um, I mean, not to sound like an ignorant straight person or anything like that, but you're gay, <laughs> right? I am. <laughs> okay, yeah. great. Well, I yeah. mean, dude, it's no secret that gay people are the best at creative things, <laughs> and they're the best at networking. They're the best at socializing. You know, I mean, I've always admired gay people quite a bit growing up, and um, I have a, an oldest brother who's gay, and that was my foyer, my foyer into the gay experience, oh, yeah. uh, if you will. Well, thanks but, thanks you for know. that. And you know, it's it, when you when you when you list those superpowers that that you identify in that space. Um, it's I, I agree, by the way, that um, you know, and can I explain part part of the reason why that exists? And this is a philosophy. Yeah, I, I had to learn. I had to learn how to make people like me because I felt like people didn't because of my sexuality, because of what I went through. I had to learn how to find friends because I felt like friends didn't come to me because of the story 
that I was telling myself, and also the story that people were telling themselves in reality in the 90s. Of, but did, of my did you seek out? Did you seek out friends that were gay, or did you not have any concern? You just wanted human connection. Um, both, and and I think that I I used I used I turned to digital. I I went to I I found a lot of my friends on AOL in the nineties. To be honest, and I'm still really close with. Um, right on. Uh, getting getting outside of my circle was something that that as a teen I was always aware of. Like I didn't. I was never the person who dated within my group of friends. Even at school, I never dated anybody that I went to school. Like everything was sort of always meeting people outside of my circle that I was bringing in, which is ironic because that's what I did. That's cool, man. TV. That's your thing. Even, yeah, the, I'm the inside guy on TV with relationships outside that I got to bring that's in. That's so perfect. Um, what a lucky guy you are. Worked out. Super your dance cool, card is powerful. always full. <laughs> <laughs> but that's awesome. you know. Uh, and, and that's part of it, you know, I'm a people, you know, I'm a, a diehard people pleaser in my 20s for sure. Um, cause I would do anything to be accepted, to be really yeah. blunt, you know, so, so there's, there's, and then, and my parents. So I've got that guilt and the pressure of having shame and alcoholism in my family. And then the, the thing we tell ourselves as kids about having divorced parents, which is so cruel as a child when, when all you, I just remember being young, just remember being like, we're gonna, we're gonna, there was a, I remember kids getting, having their parents get divorced in first grade, and I'm like, I can't believe I'm gonna be one of those families, as if like they were, they weren't us, you know, like I, there was a separation there. And I think what oh. I went through with my parents forced me to figure out how to connect with people that, mm-hmm. that, that I needed, that I, whether I, whether they were adult or not, or whether I agreed with them or not, to be really honest, why I've even produced some shows that with people that I don't even really agree with their their frame of, of life and their point of view and their values are distorted. Um, and I'm I'm sort of out of that game a bit now, and not not to allude to any housewives <laughs> or anything like that. But there's a whole there was a whole business of ego that preceded storytelling in between say 2007 to 2015 that that was a little toxic from from a storyteller's perspective and. And that's why I took a step back with the accountability I have as a creator, with the responsibility that I approach this, like, weird job that I've created for myself with to say, like, I, um, you don't have – just because you're beginning as a creator, you don't have to fail. I can show you 100 awards that maybe you can be winning right now. You don't even know. I can show you 50 um, – create a platform that all you have to do is put your name on a list. And if a brand wants to work with you, then they can find you and work with you directly. And I can't oh, tell you. Oh, perfect. Oh, yeah, we're getting close to that. I want to talk all about that. I want to talk all about that. Just being on the list. You know, it's, I, it's yeah. I want, to throw, I want to throw another thing in here, though. Um, just out of curiosity, I mean, because I really don't know. And um, I know times have changed, you know, in my opinion, um you know, from a heterosexual point of view, like uh, gay people have evolved in society in quite a number of ways and, um, you know, become more prolific and prominent. Um, you know, the awareness of who gives a crap, you know what I mean? Like what you want to do, it doesn't make a difference, you know, if you're into this, that, big girls, small girls, guys, whatever. But like the idea is that there's somehow this separation between gay and straight and I've always thought that was kind of weird you know and um, instead of looking at people as just human 
there's always this sort of separation. Why do you think that is? Is it because of, you know, genetics or biology? Is it uh, societal influence, like values? What what makes it all so different? You know what I mean? Like it's a personal choice. Yeah, but I can't talk. I can't answer this question referring to religion or politics, right? I have to remember. Um, religion's right. <laughs> okay. No, no politics, but religion. Okay. We can discuss politics okay. in terms of society, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, here, here's some thoughts. So, first off, in uh, when King James edited the Bible, that's the first time on paper the word homosexual was ever written, mm-hmm. and and that term is then defined. Um, so sometimes we even like there's like weird speculate uh, there's like speculation and rumors that like um, Ab- Abraham Lincoln you know was gay. There's like rumors that he had a bed in the White House. Mm-hmm. He had a lo- he had a, a full on lover and he wasn't, but he didn't identify as gay or as a homosexual because those two words didn't exist as we know them now. It's almost like uh, you know how. <laughs> Well, it's not the same, but I have a really bad gluten allergy, but maybe 10 years ago, my doctor might have diagnosed me having IBS and you're irritable bowel. Maybe you have IBS or or GERD or reflux, but we don't quite understand. We don't quite have the, 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 the words yet and haven't identified yet what you're going through. So there's two things. One, the vocabulary changed. Uh, two, I don't know, I'm going to answer this as a 45-year-old gay man. When I was young, in that, like, sort of AIDS-Reagan era, mm-hmm. that that was pretty scarring from, like, when all my friends were learning how to have sex, they weren't always reminded that there's AIDS that's out there. And then whenever they said, I love this person, their grandma and their grandpa didn't, or, or parents most likely probably didn't say, well, you can love who you want to love, but just be careful for AIDS. Like they weren't, you know, imagine, so, so there's, there's, there's some push here where now there's shame attached to a part of my life. So that, that could be where maybe I'm pushing. Like that could be where you get some push from me where I'm like, oh, if I can't talk about what I want to talk about, then I'm either going to not say anything or go find some place where I, I can talk. And that's what I did. I went, I went online to AOL and I started making friends and that's sort of exactly it. The other thing is, is people don't understand people who aren't like that. So on the mm-hmm. other side of the aisle, I can understand mm-hmm. how people are saying, uh, I have family members who tell me, you know, <laughs> uh, then I, you know, I, I understand the LGBT. I, I get that and I understand the trip on the letters and they, they trip on the words. But what I don't <laughs> understand is why someone should have the right to claim what sex or what gender they are. And, and I'm like, well, why, why, who, First off, <laughs> if we all believe, if, and this is like a, a God-believing member of my family, if we all, yeah. so well, you have no say in the judgment. Why do you, why do you even forming an opinion that right. when all is said and done, your opinion doesn't matter if this is the if this is what you're telling me you believe in? Like I'm, I'm just trying to understand the, the thought process. Yeah, the hypocrisy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or just like let let like why 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 do you have to why you know like and then also I find calls. You know, to let that, and I did have this conversation with that family member, and I said, you know, that, that just by questioning that person, that it does something to them and that whole community that I don't think you understand, you know, necessarily the, the impact of. Um, and I'm gonna, <laughs> that conversation went down a deep rabbit hole, and. No, no, that's okay, that's okay. <laughs> you reminded why. No, 
it would, no, it went down a deep rabbit hole with that family member. It got even worse after oh. that. And it, it, but I stuck to it, and I, you know, and, and I don't mind having hard conversations because I find myself put, being put in. I put myself in difficult conversations, so I have the words. Perfect. You know, so I can. Get oh, we off. should do it. We should do another episode then, and I'll I'll ask you nothing but tough questions the whole time. Oh, sure. Oh, <laughs> I would I love, love that. I love. I would enjoy questions. something like that. That would be fun, like a it's debate, a creative maybe. challenge. Yeah, you know exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's fun to think on your feet. That's what I enjoy about it. You know, it's it's the most rewarding part of what we're doing now. I mean, uh, uh, I think what I love most about the art of just being present in a podcast is is that I do 5,000 other things throughout the day with my one-on-one clients or the groups, you know, whatever it is that I work. When I'm here, like, this is the only thing. I'm not checking my phone. I happen to be in front of my computer. You've mentioned a couple of things that I made some notes of. So I can go <laughs> down this content rabbit hole that you, you're going to send me on. <laughs> but other than a couple of light little notes that I know I want to follow up on, I'm so... Present. Uh, yeah, it's like, it, uh, this is my work. This is, <laughs> of course, I'm going to say it's just like, this is me going to the gym. <laughs> right on, man. And I'm not I replacing it with going to the gym, even though I wish I could. But like, right. this is hard, you know, showing up, being me, living in my truth, and then forming the new, not being stuck in a version of my answers that I, I, I think are right from however I rehearsed them with whoever I, however I got to wherever, but making sure that they impact what happens next. Like that's, I'm sweating <laughs> doing this. You know, this is this is active. Yeah, it's a passion project. You know? it, yeah, but yeah. it matters like that. You really feel it, and I really appreciate that. That means a lot. Um, and we have about 15 minutes uh, to keep you on time for your next appointment. I know that you cool. are a busy Thank man, this busy guy. Um, I want to make sure that we get into a little bit more about what you do today because it is kind of exciting and interesting and. I'd like to hear more about it and how you help people and, you know, however you'd like to approach it. You can use me as an example or another uh, podcast or whatever you want. But, like, I would just like to expose the audience a little more to what makes you special today. Oh, cool. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's a, uh, I mean, I'm a media advisor and I call myself a creator economist. I sort of, like, have been looking at this creator economy from the late 90s to now, and I've seen how our stories impact our products and how our products impact the economy that we are building. So I'm, I'm happy to help creators stand out in the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love helping them find fame to leverage impact. So I'm cool to make you a celebrity as long as the goal is not to be a celebrity, but to make big change in my life, your life, our life. Uh, I'm very careful about that, you know, about <laughs> waving the magic wand, so to speak. Um, that being said, you know, uh, it, it, here, here's a couple of steps. So that being said, uh, one of the ways I generally will roll my sleeve up when I want to help an, a, a, a brand become like an, an award-winning brand. Mm-hmm. Well, first off, to be an award-winning brand is very easy. You just have to win awards. So I <laughs> literally... I have a list of over a hundred awards. I will share with you after this. And if anyone wants to reach out to me or I'll send you a link, um, if you want to add it into the podcast notes. Um, but I, I, I have a free, re- I have a free resource center. It's called the Creator Hub and it's on my website. And, and everything I'm about to tell you is there. Um, over a hundred awards worthy of winning. So whether you have a podcast, a newsletter, a website, uh, you've been a podcast guest 
or you have a unique stack of technology that you use to accomplish a certain thing. Like, I can help you find a way to stand out. And one of the, the men, I would say three of the benefits of winning awards are, one, you are listed with other industry leaders in whatever that award is. So, for example, if you are a, a florist or a lawyer, one of the reasons why you might want to win a podcast award as a lawyer is because there's probably 10 to 15 lawyers in that podcast category that will win, that will help you stand out. So instead of trying to win best lawyer of all the lawyers, winning best lawyer in the podcast world helps you stand out specifically maybe for somebody who's looking for someone who's well-spoken or who can do live radio or maybe even be a guest on a television show and wants to know that they can speak in bullet points. So so just that out of the gate helps with discoverability. Very um, cool. uh, you, you know, uh, winning an award also allows you to maybe put, call up your local newspaper. You don't even have, not even the big national, your local newspaper. Think about how many times someone from your hometown has been on Survivor, Amazing Race, American Idol. <laughs> you see them, you see their names in the newspaper, by the way, because American Idol calls the Staten Island Advance and says, oh, we got Vinny Potestiva. I've never been in American Idol, but we got Vinny Potestiva, and you might want to do, we're going to follow him, or this is the show, and they, they drum, they, they, they specifically look, a show as big as American Idol specifically looks for small hometown newspapers that they can have a big impact in. So um, right now, you know, we found this like smaller community of, po- of podcasters in this space. Um, it's fun to meet you know, one out of 20,000 people than the 4 million podcasts that are out there in that world. And and I feel like I have some some resonance with the people because we're talking. And, and, mm-hmm. and that this community that we're building is important. We will be award winners. Mm-hmm. Um, credits is something that, that almost anyone can get right now on IMDb. Actually, this is the best. This is, you want, if you want a foolproof, free SEO strategy, to get your name included somehow in this creator economy, right? In this, in this creator economy, meaning the, the place where being creative with media and content matters, IMDb, the Internet Movie Database, is like where we go to see our favorite films and see who the well, cinema, cinema Wait a second. Is. You can add a profile to that? You, you can add podcasts as an intellectual oh. property, and then you should be getting executive producer credit, Host credit, probably writer credit, director, uh, editing credit. Um, these are all credits as a creator, as a creative that you, you've successfully done, or maybe you have some people on your team that do those jobs for you. This is a chance to give them credit, not just give your, you know, not just to get credit, but to give credit. Is it too um, much if you do it all yourself? Is it, is it better? No. Like, I mean, if you not, can handle it's it? Not too much. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I there's a, 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 a this I literally have a step by step process for how to upload your podcast onto IMDb on my Creator Hub, so vcb.tv/hub, and you'll see it's it's a there's a lot of boxes and checks you got to click because it's a lot of data points that you're telling uh, the IMDb Amazon owns IMDb uh, that you're telling Amazon for the first time. Um, but here's what you tell them. You tell them your your catchphrase. If you have a catchphrase, a couple of catchphrases, and you want to be searchable from this term, this is going to help you stand out. 
they let you upload an, un, an un, uh, unlimited amount of content that supports your podcast. So if you've created content for social media, for example, to promote episodes, here's another place where you can put all that content on Amazon, cool. which is it's going to speak to Google image search, and then oh, yeah. all those images are going to change. And yes, big, it will. It's a big, big win. It's a big win. And and then and to be honest, um, that is, is, uh, and you, you by the way you connect your award. It's a data point. You connect your awards as a data point to your podcast, which now tells Google this is a, a viably award winning, a certified award winning podcast with this production company, with this producer, with these guests. So my podcast, I have, you know, people that I've worked with on my guests are, are my guests. So mm-hmm. if you go to Mandy Moore, Jamie Lynn, if you go to their pages, you'll see that they were a guest on I Have a Podcast, which is my podcast. And then, and then, so now I'm able to be discovered as a result of, of their fans going to their page. That's right. Um, it's a really big, it's a really, really big win. And That's it's a data awesome. point that almost doesn't exist anywhere online. Um, really? If anyone, yeah, it doesn't exist anywhere online. Wow, so I've stumbled upon to something that I didn't even understand. I was stumbling it's onto big. you. <laughs> yeah, it's big. Wow. It's cool, too. If you search I Have a Podcast, if you now search I Have a Podcast, my my podcast will now show up as a result, which I Have a Podcast is a pretty... I, I love that term. Beforehand. I love that, that, yeah. Thank you very much. I just... It's, it's a, by the way, it's a not to Alan on team. Like, I love identifying people as podcasters because we're responsible, creative, there's fortitude, there's creativity, there's follow through, there's, there's so many things it takes to be a podcaster. It's a, it's a really great skill set to have for, like, more. for what's coming up. Yeah. It's a, creative, it's creative communication at its best, by the way, too. Absolutely. It's really nice that people are so motivated to communicate. Um, I guess, honestly, as I'm doing this podcast, I'm learning every episode and I'm kind of winging it and uh, I do it on purpose. That's the way my show is designed. But um, I really like the idea that people are hung. They seem hungry for human interaction. And, um, you know, I guess before I was doing this podcast, I thought, oh, it's just for views and you know, some weird narcissistic, selfish desire, but there's really much more depth to it, really. There's people out there that have some very special things to share, and the podcasting realm is an amazing place to learn about different things and people, and, you know, it kind of reminds me of old-time radio a little bit. Does does it do that for you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that podcasting is is the small spoon. I think broadcasting is the big spoon. And I think that podcasting, this idea of like individual, tiny little me and my tiny little piddly, you know, little social thread of content could actually be fed into the broadcast model of content. And the way that, that TV networks work where they target people by geographics. So like we all know in our states that we get certain commercials based on the state we live in, the city we live in, or maybe Cox, Verizon, Comcast, like whatever server service provider we have. So we know we get different commercials that way. Most of us understand that we get local programming, that, that like our, our local shows, well, like obviously our local news shows are, are ours, and then there are the larger national today uh, morning shows like the Today Show, you know, which has a larger model. 
but even if you're watching the Today Show, they'll still toss to your local affiliate. That's the power that podcasting is going to have in broadcast space. Yeah, geo-targeting. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, it's going to be able to, yes, geo-targeting, and then ultimately, um, as broadcast figures out how to better identify targets, and 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 then we we agree to be grouped in certain types of classifications as an audience, because that, that was sort of an interesting thing thing that happened when we found out that we were being grouped in a like-minded way, but we didn't, you know, by, by certain social media platforms. And they're like, eh, I don't know if you should have access to that type of information, but you just use the information we're giving you. Don't, don't try, try to add it together and use it against us. Absolutely. Um, and that's where like it's going to be powerful. What we should do just to keep you on time here is uh, maybe wrap up a little bit with uh, what you can do for people and how they can get a hold of you so that we can share with our listeners and have an opportunity for others to reach out and, engage in your services, learn from you, take advantage of those free resources. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, you're wonderful. Um, and thank you for the invite. And vpe.tv. It's just five letters. vpe.tv. Uh, like Victor, Victor Paul, Paul Edward. Edward. <laughs> yeah, Victor Paul, my accent. Vinny Papasivo Entertainment, um, uh, Verified Podcast Exchange. Uh, vpe.tv is where I have a free membership to my creator access hub, uh, an inner circle for creators where, again, uh, 100 awards worthy of winning. Uh, the creator and influencer marketing indexes that actually pay out. So these are, these are platforms that I think that you might want to be on if you identify as being a creator, whether you're a podcaster, an influencer, or just someone who, who, I, who says, I'm a business owner and I go on social media and I make content, so I'm a, I'm a creator. I, I, that's how I identify us. We have the same ability to tap into all this money that we hear about going to influencers, but we don't identify as influencers. All the money is going into these creator marketing indexes. And I have a list of about 60 of them that are, are, are impactful. Ten of them, I tell you to sign up immediately because I've, I've been able to make some money there and I go into that detail. Uh, give, giving credits, the power of giving credits and getting credits. It's crazy to say this, but I'm so thankful for my boss, Rod Asa. My mentor, Rod Asa, my best friend, Rod Asa, who's currently the head of programming at, at NBC and uh, Unscripted, who who's so generous in giving me credit in my creative career as a young, as a young little Vinny, uh, first manager, then director, then producer. Those credits help me create and have more prominence in a space that, that I know I can make an impact in. By us being on IMDb, by podcasters being on IMDb, it allows us to take up space and create credit where credits are due. And it's just an awesome, it's an awesome way for discovery. It's what an awesome return of investment on energy. Um, so say hi. And I'm on LinkedIn, by the way. All that to be said, it starts with a hello. I love working with friends. I don't have to agree with you. I just like being surrounded by strong people who have unique perspectives in life who do something. I like going places without having yeah. to go places. And, and you're the person who takes me there. Uh, so say hi on LinkedIn if you get a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, reach out to me on any social media platform. And, and, and I'm always on LinkedIn Thursdays at 4 p.m. Eastern. I have a, a standing live audio room that I do. So if you ever happen to be on that platform, swing by and say hi. Perfect, man. And uh, Vinny Potestivo, correct? P-O-T-E-S-T-I-V-O. 
That's it. And your websites are vpetalent.com and ihaveapodcast.com, right? Thank you. All right. Yeah, I noticed the VPE. I signed up while we were talking, actually. Oh, cool. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there it is. I see it. Cool. Yep. I I will verify my email here in a moment, uh, so you'll know I'm not a bot, uh, but I'm guessing (laughs) this hour that we spent together is proof positive that I'm human. (laughs) (laughs) So this is cool, Vinny. I really appreciate this, man. Um, I would like to interview you again, actually, because we really scratched the surface. Um, I know we spent a lot of time talking about you, but I'd really like to delve deeper into this world of podcasting that you've become so familiar and masterful of, quite frankly, and uh, help our listeners learn more about it. Because honestly, we want to encourage others to go out and do something and start something and be part of something they feel is going to help the world, you know, which is really the motivation, yeah. it seems, behind every podcast. People seem to really want to help each other, and that's a beautiful thing, so the more that people do that, the better. So you're the kind of person people turn to to learn how to do that best, right? Thank you so much for that, by the way. I'm, it's, an, it's an honor to be that person, and uh, that responsibility falls on me really heavy. Just so you know, I take it really, really seriously, and that's why I want to help people be successful in their creative endeavors and, and, and really own being a creator without having to feel like I'm not a celebrity, I'm not a this, or even better, it's to embrace it and to realize that you are worthy of being celebrated and that you do have talent. And and if I can encourage you to tap into that part, then I feel like my job here is done. And then I don't leave you empty-handed. I make sure you're, you've got plenty of support along the way, so reach out. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Benny, uh, I'd rather be a celebrity than celibate. oh yeah it's it's better to be celebrated than celebrated that's for sure celebrated (laughs) agreed so thank you so much for sharing today i really appreciate you bringing your wisdom and experience and your uh teachings to our podcast today and i hope we get to speak again soon yeah it's gonna happen we're gonna make that happen absolutely brother i appreciate that man thank you for coming on today you rock Thank you for tuning in to the Toddcast Show. If you found today's episode helpful and meaningful, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on what's next. Remember that the Toddcast Show is all about community and connection. So follow the podcast on your preferred social platform to keep updated on everything I've got in store. Also check out ToddCastShow.com to find out more and stay connected with me, Todd Mira. Be sure to tell your friends and family about the Toddcast Show so the podcast family can continue to grow and share on an international level. See you over on the next episode. Hi, I'm Todd Mira, host of the Toddcast Show, and I want to share something personal with you today. Throughout my own life, I've struggled with issues I didn't even realize I had. Things like depression, past trauma, PTSD, and feeling disconnected from the people I loved the most. It took me hitting rock bottom to realize I couldn't fix myself alone. I needed help to unravel the tangled knots within my life, find myself again, and become stronger in the areas I was weakest. It wasn't an overnight transformation, but with time, I learned to change my thinking, my attitudes, and my entire paradigm 
for the better. I learned that it's good to ask for help, and that's why I want to tell you about our sponsor, BetterHelp. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of the Toddcast Show. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and the best part, it's 100% online. You can participate from anywhere, anytime that works for you. It's simple to get started. Simply answer a few questions about your specific needs and personal preferences in therapy, and BetterHelp will match you with the perfect therapist from their network. It's really that easy. You can message your therapist anytime you need support and schedule a live session when it's convenient for you. BetterHelp is committed to ensuring that you find the perfect match to guide you along your journey to well-being. As someone who went through therapy and came out way ahead of where I started, I want to invite you to take this step to a healthier, happier you today. My life was transformed through therapy, and yours can be too. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you'd expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is hand-picked for you, all at a shockingly affordable price. And as a special offer for our listeners, you'll get 10% off your first month by using the special link, betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast. That's betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast. You don't have to face life's challenges alone. BetterHelp is here to support you through the big and small issues of your life in a way that can really make a huge difference, both short and long term. Take the first step towards a healthier, happier you. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast to get started today.